Ingram Smith, Bud Elliott, back again for another episode of the Knollcast. As always, we will thank our friends in New Iberia, Louisiana. Louisiana hot sauce, three simple ingredients, one fantastic product. Title sponsor of the Knollcast, and uh, they make everything that we do possible. So, Bud, we've got uh, some good listener questions, as always. We've got some uh, general recruiting conversation, some reflection upon uh, spring practice beginning and uh, Florida State having their first scrimmage. I guess just for purposes of full disclosure here, we were going to wait until the end of the basketball game. And then the first half was uh, one of the more painful uh, things that I've ever witnessed watching sports. So uh, we let it run. There's about eight minutes left in the game, kind of watching this, hoping that it concludes in a manner to where we can talk about a Florida State sweet 16 appearance. Uh, But we've got some things lined up. We'll end with hoops and hopefully we'll end talking about a victory. As we hit record tonight, Colorado's Betty uh, just uh, just had his fourth foul, so that's pretty solid because he's kind of one of their only real big presences inside. But uh, enough for the hoops talk for right now. We'll, we'll save most of that for the end of the show, and unless we just see some awesome you know, Tomahawk dunks or FSU takes a huge, huge lead here, currently at forty-seven thirty-eight. Spring scrimmage number one is in the books, open to the public. A lot of good stuff to take away from it, I think, but also I'll, I'll just throw this out there to you early. Um, how much do you want to take away from from one spring scrimmage? Very little. Very, very little. I mean, just the general variance as to what you're going to see in a spring setting, whether it be practice, scrimmage, game, whatever. There's such a variance of talent level compared to what you're actually going to see in a game-like setting that a lot of times it's just impossible to take much away from it. Uh, particularly, I mean, a first Spring practice is probably the, uh, you know, probably the worst setting possible to take away things. Now, I'm not belittling uh, <laughs> anybody that sat there and brought us firsthand information uh, from it. That's a, a job to do and one that I certainly enjoy and consume the information that comes from. Uh, it's just limited what you can extrapolate from something like that. We'll get a little bit better feel of every practice that goes by. General themes tend to present themselves over the course of spring. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm hesitant to make any kind of grand declarations after after one set of practices. I, I think I agree. Although to me, a really good reference point is is last spring. And you know what I thought about about last spring scrimmage? Nothing, because they didn't have them. We had COVID shutdown this this time last year. After what was it? Four practices or three? It really, it wasn't much. Um, and they're like, oh, maybe, maybe we'll, maybe this will go away quickly and we'll be able to get back out there in spring. And then, you know, Ooh boy. uh, yeah, 12 months later, they are back out there in spring. Uh, but to me that, that serves as a really good reminder. Uh, and when I was reviewing some of the questions tonight from our, our, our Patreon donors and people who tweet at us and email us, it, it, it kind of struck me that we really need to hammer that point home. And this is the first real spring that this coaching staff has had with these players. Now, it's a weird dynamic in that we know what they look like in an actual game under this coaching staff, albeit with limited preparation and with limited you know, time to, to really coach these dudes. Like we said, I mean, we were one of, the, one of the shows and maybe the only show that was really skeptical last year about how much you could get done over Zoom. Remember? Like, I don't know, man. Like, I'm trying to do some things here at my new job over Zoom, and it's just not the same as going up to the offices. You know, um, can't imagine trying to teach a bunch of 18 and 19 year olds all these schemes and plays over Zoom, but they, they managed to do it 
you know, to some extent. But I think you can take away some. Notably, like I didn't have anybody who was there, either you know, fan or high school coach or college coach, tell me they look like like a cluster, right? They didn't have a boatload of of penalties. Not that they had a ton of penalties last year, but you know, Norvell's teams are, are heavily penalized throughout his career. So were Willie's, and honestly, for a long while, so were Jimbo's. It looked like they they got they, you know, they got in and out of their plays. They they were you know, crisp relative to it being the, the first spring scrimmage. So I think that was something that was was fairly important. There's a lot of stuff we get wrong. I think there's a lot of stuff we get right too. And we, we do pride ourselves on, on not not going you know, off the deep end with predictions and stuff and trying to stay grounded. One thing that we did get right, by the way, I'm pretty sure, and this is two or three years ago when we said don't flip out about FSU not taking a running back because they got this walk-on who is about as good as any you know, scholarship guy that they were actually going to be able to sign. And that guy's name was Treshawn Ward. He looked very good in the Duke game to end, end last year. Granted, Duke was basically quitting on the season, I think. And he had a really, a really big scrimmage on uh, on the weekend. So, man, Treshawn Ward, Tampa Bay Tech, just a, a, another running back in this backfield that, you know, I don't think it's a special backfield. I think you can call it a decent backfield, right? They got some backs who are like, you know, decent ACC backs. And, and he's another guy that gives you some more depth there. It, I think it might allow you to play a dude like Ja'Kai Douglas or, or Corey Wren, you know, more at receiver or, or gadget spot, knowing that you do have a guy in Trayshawn Ward who, who offers you that, that added depth. I think you're both accurate to point out that uh, it might have been against a Duke team that was uh, on the verge, if not quit. And it, maybe it does give a little bit more credence to hear a name like that pop up uh, in, a, in a setting you know, a, a talented kid, as we talked about before he ever got to the program, uh, a guy that would be on scholarship at uh, a large swath of the other schools in the conference. But, uh, yeah, no, if there's – I mean, so look, from an overall standpoint, this offense desperately needs somebody that can turn a, you know, turn a nine-yard run and off-tackle into a, a 79-yard uh, play that changes the scoreboard or uh, catches a seven-yard slant and, and turns it into a 49-yard game. So, if Florida State could find that in the transfer portal anywhere, certainly I'm, I'm open to them uh, continuing to add explosiveness on the offensive side of the ball. But I, I feel fairly confident about what they have at running back, both what they have uh, returning and what they've gotten so far. I, um, you know, it's, it's not a premier unit in the conference, but of their weaknesses, uh, running back certainly isn't one of them. I mean, I think they're pretty well set compared to where they want to be in kind of this rebuild right now. Let me ask you a question here. If you could substitute the word, you said confident about their running back room. If I offered you the opportunity to substitute the word certain in your sentence, I feel pretty confident. Would you rather say I feel pretty certain? Because like I kind of feel like that's where I am, right? Like I don't love what they have, but I feel like I'm pretty certain in what they have. Like I think the numbers that are there uh, lend itself to certainty. Yeah, I don't. I don't have any problem with changing that out. I mean, that's it's, no. I mean, it's, it's, it's your opinion. I just I thought it'd be you know, interesting to kind of Louisiana hot sauce spice it up here and uh, and just see. Like, are you are you like really high on them, or are you just like pretty like you feel decently good about what they have? I guess is what I'm getting at. Yeah, yeah. I think you've got a solid collection of pieces that complement each other well. Uh, you know, I, I don't think you have anything that's uh, super explosive, but if I'm, uh, you know, playing theoretical general manager here and trying to add to the roster of this football team, uh, running back is not a, a place that I'm particularly concerned about right now. feel pretty good about it. Makes sense. Where are you worried? 
I mean, a wide receiver's obvious uh, concern, although there are some some supposed green shoots of recovery with some of the freshmen that are already on campus and then one particular one that you're waiting for. Interior of the defensive line is is a concern, absent uh, Cooper. And, um, you know, linebackers, I'm pretty confident about what Rice is, and I like Gaynor. Obviously, Dix looks like a hell of a football player, still has some uh, growth to do there. I think you've got some decent pieces there, but those are those are kind of more like diamonds that need to be polished uh, over time, whereas the running backs, I think you just got a bunch of, you know, solid things that may not ever be spectacular. So I, I think I agree with you there. By the way, uh, technical foul on Colorado. So uh, Knowles up 10 and, uh, and and more free throws coming. I mean, this is something that if we had like a show historian, this, this would be a good thing to write down. Very early here. If I t- set the over-under at percentage of receiver snaps taken by true freshmen this year. And I set it at 40%. You're going over or under? That's a big number. Uh, I would go under, but I I mean, I agree with the general theme of the question. I don't know if I could quite get into the fours. So if you break it down, right, like you, you feel pretty good about Burrell. He's not a burner. I actually think they're going to use him a little bit in like sort of – like a plus one blocker role at times too, I think would, would, would make a whole lot of sense to, to try. And I, I think given the, you know, the lack of, of dynamic playmakers you have at tight end aside from McDonald with Wilson still getting back healthy and being more of a blocker, and, you know, Jackson West being a, a freshman and, and, you know, the, the other two kids being walk-ons, um, you know, I mean, they are what they are. Uh, I, I think it's, it's interesting to, to take a look at that and wonder if you couldn't play him more at, you know, a sort of, not a tight end, but a guy who's a little bit closer to the line of scrimmage in some of your bunch sets and, and, and a dude who can really help you block. I've heard nothing but good things so far about Malik, about his maturity, about how he's come ready to work and how they think he can be a, a contributor for them, you know, this year. And then we all know, you know, Destin Hill, uh, Ni Paisan, is kind of a no doubter as far as athleticism. Now he's not an early enrollee. We'll have to see how ready he is. But man, did you have to think about that number? Like, do you think I was? I just said that too high, like way too high. No, I mean I I, I know what you're saying, and I, I did have to give it some thought. Like I said, I, I agree with the general uh, overall idea of it. I just I love uh, I love Hill. Love the idea of what he could be. I'm just hesitant about how ready you can get somebody immediately. But that's a skill set that otherwise doesn't exist on the roster. So uh, in theory, he could slip right in. And look, I'm hesitant to talk like this, particularly after we just spent 10 minutes saying that you need to limit what you can glean from early series of practices. But the talk about McLean is nothing but, you know, they're real damn excited. And you had to go, you know, you had to fight like hell to get that kid and uh, real excited about what you have on your hands so far. So uh, there is some, you know, there's some, both some concern with what your existing roster looks like and also some legitimate excitement about what the freshmen look like already and potentially what they can turn into. And they're, you know, Burrell's not a dynamic athlete, but they're pretty excited about what they have with that kid. I mean, he's strong as hell and uh, already a really positive influence on the, on the, uh, you know, the locker room and the position um, group uh, slash room overall. So they're, they really like what they got out of there so far. 
so I, I agree with you on, on that point. Um, I, I guess my, my only really qu- real question here, you know, is how much of our excitement about these freshman receivers, like, would they be standing out if you had anywhere close to a Florida State caliber receiver room in the way that you and I, you know, guys grew up watching the program, grew up covering the program, think about it. You know what I mean? Like, Ontario Wilson, Ontario Wilson and Keyshawn Helton and Jordan Young, I think it's also a commentary about them, right? About 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 those those guys you know, not standing out and and not being dynamic players and, and probably not being guys who are are you know likely NFL dudes. Not that they can't get there, but so far they really haven't haven't flashed that. I don't know. I, I'm having to kind of balance like liking this freshman receiver group with also really not being like not being impressed with this receiver group overall. And I'm not convinced it's better than last year's given the fact you don't have Terry, even though you didn't have Terry for part of the year last year anyway. Yeah. I mean, you, you just hope that uh, Helton can continue to improve. And, you know, the concern is that injury was significant and maybe not going to see the player that ultimately thought that that sucks because that kid works hard. And um, sometimes that just happens in the sport, but uh, so far, and I think he's made some strides. Like I don't want to, I don't want to undersell him. He's, he definitely know. made some strides. I don't mean to bury him, and I'm, I'm not trying to. I just, uh, you know, that was a kid who always had to work real hard for everything that he got, and um, hopefully, some of that explosiveness will, you know, continue to be found. Not a lost cause by any means, but a guy who, uh, I don't know that he would ever be a true number one, but he would maybe be a little bit more of an overall alpha for the room if, uh, if, if the injury had never occurred. You want to talk quarterback? Do we want to talk quarterback? <laughs> I mean, if you had to start, if you had, to, if, if FSU had to play some kind of game that counted in spring tomorrow, but Jordan Travis, hundred percent. Yeah, I think so. Now it doesn't mean that, that it will be Jordan Travis in the fall. There's some key things in the fall that we think are going to be different. Number one, Jordan Travis will have more, have had more time in the offense. Now, or excuse me, Mackenzie Milton will have had more time in the offense. Now, so so will Jordan Travis, but. Because it's newer to McKenzie, you know, the, the extra time is seemingly, you know, more valuable uh, to him in some ways. Number two, even though I don't love what they have at off to tackle, get, getting getting some guys back from injury there, getting some better cohesiveness there, getting a little better better pass protection. And the better pass protection you have, the the less valuable the the scrambling quarterback becomes. Although, you know, to Jordan Travis's credit, he does seem to be throwing the ball around better. You know, this year than he was last year, and then number three, you you do get Andrew Parchment on campus. You you do get Hill on campus. So you know, we'll have to see who are you throwing to, and are these guys you're throwing to more valuable than the guys you have on campus now? Because right now, I'm not gonna, I'm not going to make the comment like I don't care who you have back there, but I I do think that. Like throwing the ball to these receivers is not a real big, you know, plus EV move, right? I don't know. This is going to be interesting to watch. Other note that uh, we just want to put down before we transition away is uh, having talked to individuals that aren't necessarily just people who turn on the, you know, the fire hose of compliments that uh, pretty high on, on the uh, period of time that both of the Mississippi State kids have had and have seemingly put some good work uh, into uh, the weight room and looks like both of them have, have had, you know, productive periods of time. 
yeah, uh, it seems like they have more maturity, I think, and are, are both, both both Jerry and Jones and Fabian Lovett, from what I've been told, have really busted their ass, got in there in a weight room, put on good size, they're in better physical shape, and they seem to be a little more dedicated this year. So that's great, you know, to to have have more buy in from those guys because you're going to need it. Or you're going to need Jerry and Jones, and you're definitely going to need Fabian Lovett in there along with with Cooper and, and Dennis Briggs because their their depth at defensive tackle this year, you know, we could talk about Marvin Wilson and and Durden and what those guys did or or didn't do last year, but we also need to acknowledge that you know not having them there, at least on the field, is not likely to be a, a plus, right? <laughs> you do need some. You do need to have some good bodies in there, and so having Love it back in there, I think, is is potentially a big deal. And him clogging up blockers for a guy uh, like Amari Gaynor now, who's able to focus on one position, I think, is is a pretty big deal as well. So, definitely some some positives take away from the scrimmage. I but you know also some reminders that that the few, the, let's see the few the, the the guys on this team who do have sort of that next level talent seem to pop a little bit. Because there's just not that much of it on this team. Like Amari Gaynor, I think will play in the NFL because of the level of talent that he has and the athleticism that he has. So his ability to, to focus on playing that will linebacker position, which is that off-ball position, and just you know be a guy who, who can defend you know short zones and and you know, take away the run if possible is is valuable, uh, especially with, with with his speed. And his physicality. So I'm I'm excited about some things about this team. And yet I I don't know, just in talking to folks, like, yeah, I don't know, man. There's just not a lot of difference makers out there. Are you concerned by the amount of short passes? Just like nonstop. I and I, I, I I'm I'm interested to see like how much of this is a result of you know lack of pass protection. And it wasn't like Jermaine Johnson was out there for for the whole time. So that means you're giving up pressures to guys who I think we have rightful reason to be skeptical as to whether they, you should be giving up pressures to. Granted, it's some of your backup offensive line giving up pressures, but you know, pass rush for this team is still going to be probably be its biggest weakness. And uh, you know, the fact that Jordan Travis being flushed from the pocket a lot and running around, like Adam Fuller said, I I, I don't know, man. Like that, that's not a super great feeling for me about uh, about how much time this team is going to have to throw the football. Yeah, I mean, uh, I know what you're saying there, and hopefully you continue to to grow as an offensive line. I would, um, I'm gonna wait to extrapolate too many things from that, but uh, you know, it's just look. The first practice is never particularly kind to the offense historically, uh, regardless of what's going on. So That's uh, I, I will wait a little bit longer before I make too many decisions about uh, or, or start to voice too many concerns about offensive line or all of the other, you know, similar themes and storylines that we've spent, you know, a better part of three years, four years talking about now. So um, I, I see what you say. Let's put a, let's put a peg in it. And if it's still present two practices from now, then um, I would, I would speak of a lot more concern. Yeah, I think that's fair. Uh, so if I had told you, that Mr. Wright for Colorado, their superstar, would have as many personal fouls and turnovers, eight, as he did points in this game, you'd feel pretty confident Florida State was going to win, right? That would definitely be something I'd be interested in, yes. Yeah. Uh, well, guess what? That's the case. Hard to believe, but it's true. And if you had told me three, four years ago, when I sat down with Chad and Shannon, 
that not only would we be able to sell a couple loans through, through the no loan program with legendary home loans, but we'd be able to sell about 150. I'd have a hard time believing you, but I'd also be pretty interested as, as I know you would. Uh, but that, that's what we've done, man. And you know, it's not really us. I think, I think we're good pitchmen for them. Give them an, you know, just honest testimonial. We, we've used them a couple of times now in our own personal mortgage and refi, but it's the repeated customers that they get from the Nolcast, the great customer service people enjoy having through, through the legendary team. When they call 844-FSU-LOAN, they get hooked up with a person, right? Like it's somebody we're personally recommending who's done a great job for us and for so many of our listeners, 844-FSU-LOAN, 844-FSU-LOAN. Get hooked up with Chad and Shannon over there. It's an awesome experience. Great rates. Now's an awesome time. Obviously, if you've been paying attention to the markets, it's, it's a pretty good time. To, to get an awesome rate on a home or a refi. So go ahead and give them a call, 844-FSU-LOAN. And with that, uh, I know we said we wait till the end of the hoops game. You want to squeeze in some of this uh, recruiting talk or some of the uh, some of the NFL draft pro day stuff? Yeah, we'll do some, uh, some NFL draft stuff real quickly. Do our uh, obligatory Travis Hunter check-in. Just absolutely doing ridiculous things. Running with a uh, running with the gents of South Florida Express on the seven on scene. That is uh, certainly something to watch. And if you're going to tell me you're going to have a kid from Metro Atlanta, uh, you know, be able to get introduced to that type of talent on the seven on scene during this period of time, I would be even more excited. So Hunter's just a, I mean, uh, we're going to run out of superlatives to use here, but just an exceptional talent, a guy who seems to have, I don't know if magnetic personality is the right term, but you know, somebody that kind of sucks the oxygen out of, out of a room. Uh, and I would, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm hesitant at one point in time, I'm going to wake up and find out that this has in fact been some type of simulation. Uh, but for now, the guy's still, you know, basically being a social media recruiting coordinator uh, is really the reason you have one of your more highly thought of kids committed so far in the class and is, uh, you know, we'll just spend uh, 90 seconds or so pointing out good old Travis Hunter. Yeah. So I've been on the road for the last three weeks. I did not go to the, uh, the IMG NFA seven on seven this weekend because it, the, the rosters, the, the pre rosters uh, looked, uh, looked pretty light. So we, we didn't really send a whole lot of folks. Uh, but from the clips I saw, Travis Hunter actually ended up jumping on the South Florida Express team, which is pretty ridiculous because that means that Express has both the best receiver in 2022 in my opinion, which is Hunter, even though he's a corner. Um, I think he's probably the best receiver and the best corner. Uh, well, definitely the best corner, probably the best receiver. Uh, but also uh, the best 2023 receiver that I've seen so far in Brandon Ennis. So that's a pretty uh, pretty insane team there. I know Express did pretty well this weekend. But yeah, man, he just... You know, Travis Hunter is probably the reason that, that you have a shot with a, with a receiver like like, you know, with Coleman, right? Um, I think he is absolutely like the reason why you got Sam McCall. I talked to Sam McCall. Sam McCall didn't say a damn thing about Florida State like just a couple of weeks before he committed. And then Travis Hunter gets in his ear. And man, Travis Hunter is, I would love to have the recording of what he's telling these guys as far as being a recruiter because he's, he's the best recruiter for, for FSU right now, including all the coaches, straight up. Like, like he is creating momentum that individually, as a group, whatever, can't can't be bought. Basically, man, it's it's absolutely crazy. So, um, yeah, Travis Hunter is freaky. 
Also want to point out that uh, I saw Raylan Wilson uh, tweet that he had a great conversation with Coach Mike Norvell. Uh, as far as I know, FSU's not offered him yet. Personally, I think that they absolutely should and should have done so a couple weeks ago. But you know, he's a 23 kid, so there's not a not an enormous rush. And anytime you you have a local prospect, you want to make sure that you've seen him in person because uh, you know you don't want to offer somebody local. Yeah, those, those bridges are particularly tough to burn if uh, if so has to happen. Yeah, absolutely. But you know, we talked about him on this show what a month ago. Um, his testing numbers at the Under Armour game or excuse me, the, the Under Armour camp down there in Miami uh, were elite in pretty much all categories. He's also you know, a high GPA student and uh, and really kind of kind of plays with a chip on his shoulder. So uh, other than having good size, elite testing numbers, good you know, good in the classroom and, and a nasty attitude, a linebacker. And there's good not bloodlines. No, yeah. uh, right, yeah, the dad, what, leading receiver, I think, all time for FAMU and played for the Saints and his brother is a receiver on a, on a really good Buffalo team. Um, but yeah, Anyway, good to see FSU uh, talking to talking to Raylan Wilson. Obviously, that that uh, tight action uh, seven on you know development program in the Big Bend area, uh, as well as you know parts of Georgia, which I guess are encompassed in that. Um, they, they they got a lot of prospects this year and next year, and uh, Cam Davis is part of that as well. The, the 2024 running back that FSU has uh, also thought it was a pretty smart idea to to allow for uh, the scrimmage to be open to the public. Did you catch that? Because that means recruits can come. Yeah, I was gonna say that's that means uh, the whole public, absolutely. Yeah, and they had some uh, had some kids on hand. I mean, that's uh, impressive what they're doing so far. That's pretty much all I got as far as recruiting for tonight. You want to squeeze in a little pro day talk? Yeah, so pro day, uh, just kind of pro day and in general uh, trajectory of of NFL draft status here, I guess. Uh, two guys who have really done themselves uh, some good, uh, and old J-Rob had a solid pro day, but I talked to um, a friend of mine who was in Mobile, and just the general consensus is that Robinson really had a solid, uh, good showing at the Senior Bowl, practices in particular, and, and showed himself to be a little bit better pass rusher than expected. Uh, I think that's a kid whose stock is continuing to climb and has done nothing but uh, you know Im- improve his status since uh, making that decision. So good for him. Local prospect. Tons of people are familiar with the story of of him losing his house. And really, I'm not sure the Florida State broader community got it, got credit for that it deserved for the way that it responded to that. But um, nonetheless, good to see for him. And then Asante Samuel Jr. This is uh, maybe not surprising, but turned in a really good performance. It's still relatively early, although the draft isn't all that far away. But it, it looks more likely than not that Samuel's probably going to be a you know, back into the first round draft pick. And that's, uh, you know, great for that kid. Obviously, there's a lot of money involved in being a first round pick, but, um, you know, it ran a, what, a four four five I think, officially today and uh, turned in a really impressive performance and somebody who looks to have uh, taken a big step in making sure that he's a first rounder. You know, it was always a really good player at, at FSU and somebody that, like, all three coaching staffs loved, right? Because... He just kind of went about his business, and and um, you know, not that he wasn't like a, a big you know leader type. I, I think he he was that as well, but also just a guy who didn't really get caught up in the noise. You know, thought it was pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's a tough position to be a particular you know a, a full blown leader. But uh, no, you're absolutely right. 
I don't want to say stock down here, uh, but certainly maybe stock disappointing uh, relative to where he was viewed as a draft pick a year ago. Marvin Wilson uh, just didn't have the season uh, on the field and he had a good day. It's not, it's not as though, you know, this is some, uh, was it Anton, not Anton Smith, but the offensive tackle from Bama who took a shirt off and everybody was like, Oh, good Lord. Uh, I'm not sure. Oh, the guy from, uh, um, not Bessmer. I, I know you're talking yeah. Andre Smith. Andre still Smith, went thank like you. what top 10 to the Bengals. Yeah. I mean, he was still, but I'm not sure he's done a bench press in three months. No, I'm, yeah. I'm not saying that's the case with Wilson, but didn't blow you away with any of his numbers today. A, a guy who more than likely than not would have been a, you know, first 15 picks of the second round last year is looking like a very legitimate, legitimate candidate to be a fourth round pick. I mean, that's disappointing to see for the kid. And, uh, you know, hopefully we'll, wherever he lands will be a place for him to catch on, but it just didn't, it just didn't work. Didn't click this year. Um, and it's, uh, you know, not everybody comes back and improves their stock. And I know everybody associates, well, well, you know, maybe an injury uh, or maybe that's the concern when kids come back to school, but it just doesn't always click. And for whatever reason, it, it didn't with Wilson this year. I will say that um, I think everybody who decided to go pro this year made a really good decision. I've been listening to some draft podcasts just because I, I'm trying to figure out what our content plan is for you know, for 24-7 as far as different angles we can take that are recruiting-based angles. And I always try to make sure that we mesh recruiting into everything we do because it's really you know, such an important part of the sport. Next year's draft is loaded, loaded because of, of all the, the COVID kids and all these dudes who decided to come back. And uh, I, I think going pro this year, if you were at all possibly a draftable prospect, was the right move, like far, far above what, what it normally would be. Uh, so that, that's something interesting. Colorado is still pressing, by the way. And so FSU is throwing like, you know, third court alley-oops uh, because FSU is up 18 with 18 seconds left and Colorado is still pressing and fouling. Why, why, why are they fouling up 18? Just in this. I love the, uh, the periodic Bud Elliott check-ins. But yes, uh, no, nah, I mean... Florida State is a Sweet Sixteen, uh, Sweet Sixteen team, and uh, just incredible. That's it's, that's what the program has become. And uh, congratulations! I think at this point you can just say that at this point anything is is gravy. Um, take it, getting out of the first weekend, and uh, just been a whole lot of you know season was a whole lot of fun. Last five or six games has been like, oh, good lord, this is maybe not necessarily the trajectory of what the team wanted to be at the end of the year, but. Uh, good on them, and looks like that's officially gone final now. Uh, one thing six that needs no of 25 from three. 25. Six of 25 for Colorado from three. Yeah. Now that we were, uh, I saw a couple of hilarious, uh, you know, internet memes and gifs on uh, Twitter or gifs on Twitter about expressions when Florida State fans saw another Colorado <laughs> player pulling up to take a three. Uh, so, um, one thing that's always been official for us, we've always been uh, officially fortunate to be able to pair with Madison Social. Uh, great people, been with us since day one. Large role in the creation of the Nolcast, whether it be the Reuben Sandwich, whether it be the Nolcast Bloody Mary. Uh, they're just, uh, you know, great product, great people, uh, people who do nothing but enhance the experience of being a Florida State athletic supporter is. 
Madison Social is what we always focus on. Uh, had a nice Twitter mention today from a couple that tried Township for the first time after listening to Nolcast. That is not something to be um, you know, forgotten. And honestly, some of my favorite menu items appear over uh, on the option across the street there. Uh, great bar, great patio, fantastic options from all of the brands that make up the for the restaurant, excuse me, for the table restaurant group, and uh, we thank them for their support. The Nolcast, no doubt, man. And uh, no, or Matt so just tweeted, uh, "Thank you for all twenty fans there doing the doing the, uh, the the war chant. We can hear you loud and proud. Awesome. I think it was a pretty solid pro day recap, and and a pro day that is probably indicative of where this program is right now. That you don't have that many guys who are legitimately considered prospects. Um, I think Kando made some money. Uh, I think he did. I don't think that, you know, Kendo's always going to win the, uh, you know, the look contest. It's just what people see when they go back and look on the film. I mean, it's, uh, you know, he's always going to be a guy that tests well, a guy that's impressive in an interview format, both in appearance and he's a, he's a pretty sharp, bright kid. I just, you know, at the end of the day, you're going to have to put the film in and there's not a whole lot of things that are going to pair with, uh, the individual that sits in front of you or the, you know, the athlete that you look at from a numbers perspective. I, I, I think that's fair. Um, I, I can totally see that. I also think, you know, these teams are, are looking to exploit inefficiencies. You know, one of their, one of the inefficiencies I might be able to exploit is, okay, they know what a mess the per like, like Jimbo made at the program at the end of his time here. They don't have a lot of respect for what Willie Taggart did, obviously, as far as player development, nor should they. And then, you know, like I'm sure in their mind, they don't think Norvell and company are do, have done a very good job. If you're an NFL person, right? Because a, you've only had one year. The team was terrible last year. From the outside, you see, you know, sort of the the missteps that the Marvin Wilson stuff last summer is probably what people who are not FSU fans know Mike Norvell best for right now. That's like the only team, only time this team has really made you know national news, right? So, you know, from that perspective. Um, I think you can say, wait a second, this is a guy who's been hurt a ton. He's had three different coaches. How many different position coaches? Four or five? He's never really been consistently healthy. He's never been consistently developed. Look at the frame. Look at the athleticism. There, there's something there. We can get it out of him. You know, we, we, we can use a third-round pick on this guy and, and turn him into something. You know, I, I don't know what round he's going to go in. That's just an example. But I, I, I think anytime you see somebody who looks like that, who has the pedigree, by the way, of you know being a really highly rated recruit formerly? I I think they're going to see that and uh, and be really encouraged. Uh, be intrigued, certainly. Yeah. All right. So we'll get to our listener questions here. Uh, Matt leads us off. Matt, uh, this is a subject we talked a little bit about, but Matt writes: Can we read anything at all to the Trayshawn Webb footage in the spring game or the spring practice? Did the kid just look? Did the kid just have a good day? Notice that there wasn't much of the Williams kid from Auburn or Jayshon Corbin. Was that injury related? Uh, I don't think it was injury related. Uh, I will say, Matt, we really appreciate the question, uh, but it's Trayshawn Ward. Trayshawn I was Ward, thinking, right, wait a second, did I miss? Like, am I, am I calling this kid the total total wrong name? You know, for three years now. No, I, I think what happened here is that Matt might be confusing Trayshawn Ward with Trayon Webb, who is a really legit class of 2023 athlete out of Trinity Christian in Jacksonville. So if he's a recruit, Nick, which good chance he is, uh, maybe just mixed up the names or, or combined the names there. Um, 
I think he had a good day. You know, I mean, like he was running with some of the twos and threes and, and certainly like if you got some twos and threes out there and you got Jordan Travis running with some of that, uh, the defense is going to be watching Jordan Travis some, but look, he's not a bad player. He just like, I don't think the other guys on that running back roster are like that special. I mean, do you, how many guys in the running back room right now do you think get drafted? None. Over under of a half. Yeah, none, none. I mean, what my opinion, you being the recruit, Nick, uh, I'll offer up that he blended Treshawn Ward and Ladanian Webb uh, with the with the name scramble there. But yeah, no, I, I don't know that anybody gets drafted. And uh, uh, nonetheless, not to be repetitive or monotonous, uh, I don't think the group's great, but I think the group has a bunch of six and a half, seven and a half in it. And uh, that's, you know, not what you can say for some position group. So you got good numbers. You got complimentary pieces, in my opinion. Uh, Jay Sean Corbin, by all accounts, has had a really positive spring, done a lot of work, uh, both within the official confines and out of it uh, to prepare himself as much as possible. Never going to be a super, you know, flashy, super explosive player. But uh, I think that's a kid that's going to continue to take steps forward. I can agree with that. All right, so Witt asks, uh, what do you guys think the Boosters' next areas of focus outside of the standalone football facility will be? Um, from a strictly football perspective, I mean, I have, uh, I don't think I'm breaking any news here to tell you that they're pretty focused on redoing the locker rooms, which is kind of crazy to think of, being that that was done eight years ago, but that's uh, seen as dated at this point in time. And that's, um, you know, that that's kind of a, interesting thing. I don't really know what I'm trying to say here other than I would, Florida State's got to be careful as do a lot of schools in how they spend this money. And that is one reason why I know everybody wants either a a clear path, whether it's going to be a standalone facility or whether or not it's going to be a, you know, full reno or more or whatever it may be. Just make sure you get it right. Make sure you spend your dollars correctly and, uh, you know, realize that a ton of money is going into everything out there. Uh, Florida State can afford to to do things well. They just don't necessarily need to circle back to similar projects within a decade or so. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I think on the non-football side, but also like certainly involving football, it, I, one of the things that like we know they're going to be doing are, are experiential, to, to use a, a sort of a, a media marketing term. Um, you know, it, Look, they've already sent out the email. Like, there's certain days where, where boosters are going to have like exclusive access to some practice stuff, and and like, my guess is you know highlights, and then uh, probably some interviews with like Brian McFadden and whatnot. Um, now, will that will there be anything revealing in that? You know, or is it just going to be basically exclusive opportunities for us to market promotional fluff to you? I don't know, right? Like, I kind of doubt that they're going to give you honest assessments of the team in a booster run. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? No, I, I, I think you're right about that. <clears throat> but I think the term you use there is, uh, you know, is spot on. They, they are looking to create experiences uh, and unique experiences. Again, I, I don't, you know, if I get my wrist slapped, so be it. I don't think I'm giving anything away here to tell you that uh, for the golf boosters, they hand delivered, if you were of a certain level, a signed pin flag by Jack Nicholas. People flipped flipped out over that. I mean, that was the biggest, that was a major hit for them. Uh, numbers were low on that. I don't know if there's a similar thing that you could replicate for football or what you could do. 
uh, but they're being creative and they are trying to come up with ideas that are, you know, unique experiences, have a, you know, hand, uh, kind of have that hand touch, um, personal touch. And um, I expect them to continue to explore ideas like that for all sports. What if they sold NFTs? Uh, what if somebody suggested that to them about three weeks ago? <laughs> what if you told us what the reaction was? Let me guess. They're not in a position to sell it. It's NFTs. being explored. I mean, the general idea. No, they're not in a place to create, you know, blockchain experiences, but they're, uh, they're looking at some pretty creative stuff. That's awesome though. Yeah, I, I, I think so. Are you, are you into the NFT stuff yet? Um, I mean, I, I just had this conversation with somebody recently. I am exploring it and trying to familiarize myself with it as much as possible. I mean, it feels to me, there's a general technolo- te- technology, new creation kind of curve that takes place to where it takes a good amount of time to get to about 10% of the population. And then it scales from 10% to 70 or 80, almost instantaneously. Uh, I feel like we may be in that climb to 10 right now with NFTs, uh, but it's pretty, pretty curious and pretty intriguing as to what the possibilities are with them. Makes sense. All right. Uh, so let's go ahead and go. What do we have here? Oh, uh, you want to take Stevens? Yeah. Stephen writes, uh, hoping you guys can go over what seems to be not great news out of spring ball so far. All reports seem to be indicating that the roster really hasn't improved much, especially at positions of need. He points out wide receiver and offensive line. Appreciate you guys being objective and keeping us listeners informed, even when that information leaves a bad taste in our mouths. The kind of taste left from using any other hot sauce besides Louisiana hot sauce. Cheers. Thank you, Stephen. Well done. Okay, so this is interesting. Okay, let, let's think about this. Has the roster improved at receiver and offensive tackle? Well, not from transfers, not yet, right? You have Andrew Partridge, who you know you expect to come in and make an impact. Uh, but at the same time, he's not there yet, right? He's working out in South Florida as he finishes up, up his classes at Kansas uh, online. Offensive line, you, you didn't get any, anybody to transfer in yet for the offensive line. And Devontae Love Taylor is still out with injury. And Thomas Schrader, you know, is, is going to be out for a while, it looks like, with an injury. So I'm just going to take the, this, this question to remind folks that this is, no matter how much we want to think it's not, no matter how excited we want to get, this is a long-term rebuild, period. It is. This is really Norvell's year one. Last year was an absolute year zero situation, in my opinion, given what they had on the roster, given all the COVID stuff and the, the results that we've seen at most places so far when a new coach is hired in the early signing period era. They didn't get a lot of big time impact transfers. If you look at the 24-7 sports transfer rankings, I know FSU fans hated them, but let's be real here. You weren't beating out a lot of really good schools to get those prospects. It doesn't mean they can't help you. I think they can help you. I think they will help you. I think they're valuable prospects because they bring, you know, power five level experience to a roster that that desperately needed that in some ways. I think this team is going to be better and not beating itself. I think this team will be more physical than it was last year and probably a little bit more focused. But 
Is it going to be that much better than it was last year? I don't think so. I'm just interested in learning about, about where, where this team goes. You know, I'll, I'm, I think if you don't think of this as a year one type situation with last year's a year zero, you're just going to set yourself up for some disappointment. You know, um, that's kind of where I am with this. And I don't know, it seems like, like I might have to keep saying this for, you know, for the rest of the year. This is year one. It, it really is. So before we get to our final question of the night, we will thank our friends at Congruity and uh, ding, 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 whatever sounder you want to, to use here. Really excited to uh, announce that we have the second partner uh, with Congruity since, uh, you know, they've chosen to, to pair with the Nolcast and it's the good people at Select Shades. Uh, so we've really familiar with them and have, uh, you know, been fans of their work for a really long time. And they, uh, called our good friend, Matt Lewis, had a conversation, decided it was a, a good fit for them. So I uh, want to thank <clears throat> Jonathan and, and his team over there. Uh, you can, it's just a great small business, kind of like Sunglass Hut, but, you know, run by small business, Florida State people. And uh, you can visit them online at select-shades.com. Uh, but yeah, so really excited to see that the work that we're doing with Congruity is uh, good for them, good for us, and would be great for your business. So reach out to Matt Lewis, 844-247-4100. Email him, Knowles at congruityhr.com and see if uh, the fit that Select Shades found with them would be uh, beneficial for your business as well. Awesome, man. There we go. All right. Last question of the night. Here we go. Uh Austin asks, do you think FSU looks at taking another transfer receiver this cycle, assuming one of the quality or one of quality comes open uh, or just commit to the youth movement slash parchment in the summer? If you told me they had two, I could certainly see the idea of two spots to give. I could see the idea of trying to take a wide receiver, any type of wide receiver and uh, another offense alignment. Overall, you're kind of in desperate need for explosive players in general in offense. And if you could find a wide receiver, uh, I would be. I wouldn't be surprised if the staff wasn't open to using one of their spots there. Yeah, I mean, like, obviously, I'm very much on the whole. Let's take uh, another offensive lineman bandwagon. But if you don't get anybody of quality there, you don't want to take somebody who is like. If you take somebody who's starting caliber at any position, no doubt. And if you take somebody who can be a really top backup, again, I think no doubt because if you avoid playing guys like Jalen Goss and Evan, not Evan Neal, excuse me, Jazz Neal. Then that, that's a really, really big, big deal. You know, just because that, I, I don't know, man. Probably receiver or defensive end would be the other two spots you'd really look, really look at getting somebody at, right? Other than offensive line. Yeah, I mean, if you could stumble upon a, a ready-made linebacker, I'd be curious about that. But uh, yeah, th- those would be the positions of consideration. I would agree. I don't think I hate where they're at with linebacker. I know we said this last year too, and, and things did not <laughs> did not go well at all. But like, I really don't hate where they're at with linebacker so much. I think Amar Gainer will be good, or at least decent. I think Emmett Rice had a pretty nice, you know, time at the end of last year. So I'm, I'm kind of open to it. I, I think they really could, uh, they could really be decent at linebacker this year. All right, uh, that's man, I, I'm tapped out. Yeah, I was just looking to see if there's anything else that I had or that we had missed, and I think that uh, will be that for this episode of the Nolcast. So, so they got Michigan. Ne- yeah, next round. I was going to say, again, uh, congratulations to the basketball team. They draw 
number one seed Michigan. I've already had two Michigan fans text me telling me that they're going to bounce Florida State out of the title or out of the tournament. Um, Consider the year a success at this point. Anything else is gravy. Uh, we'll try to, you know, continue to follow this. And, um, hey, let's hope that maybe even after next weekend, we're still talking about Florida State's run in the tournament. Uh, but for now, 71 to 53, Florida State beats Colorado, goes to the Sweet 16. Uh, congratulations to Coach Hamilton and everybody uh, associated with that program. And uh, if you get a chance to give us a five star review, Anywhere uh, where you consume podcasts, it is greatly appreciated. Uh, For myself, for Bud, this has been the Nolcast, and uh, we will be back with you next week. This has been the Nolcast. The Nolcast is created and hosted by Bud Elliott and Ingram Smith, music by Judson Wright, and produced by Justin Robinson. Go Noles.